St. John's. I appreciate this opportunity to proclaim the gospel with you today. I think. <laughs> Today's parable is a challenge. After all, the text says that the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. That imagery doesn't exactly embody a loving and grace-filled God, does it? It doesn't fit our understanding of Jesus. And I think our struggle to accept this parable stems from the fact that we all know we have rejected the cornerstone of Jesus in our lives at some point. We have been the tenants in the field, griping over being forced to give the government a portion of the fruits we've labored to grow. We've conspired in corners and felt envious of the prosperity of others. We've chosen to turn away from violence out of fear for ourselves. We've ignored doing what's right in favor of the easier path. We've embodied the chief priests, doubting the divinity and relevance of Jesus. All of us have fallen, which means that we've been broken to pieces and crushed. So, it's hard to see the good news in that, right? Still, what I've been drawn back to time and again with this text is this. Jesus showed up. If we take this parable to be an allegory for the kingdom of God, we know that the master of the vineyard is the Lord, which makes us the tenants who work the land. God sent at least seven servants to us, which we may interpret to be prophets. And we spurred and abused them. Then, the Lord sent the Son of God to us. And we know that Son to be Jesus. We know Jesus was one with God and with the Holy Spirit when God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus was present for the birth of humanity, for the gift of the prophets. Jesus knew how the tenants would react when he showed up in their midst. And still, he came. The son knew he would die, and he still showed up. Now that sounds a bit more like the Jesus we know. Okay? <laughs> What's interesting here is that at this point in the story, Jesus asked the priests, priests and elders what they thought God would do now that the tenants had killed the master's son. They were the ones who suggested that the Lord would put the tenants to a miserable death. Jesus never said that. In fact, Jesus responded by asking the elders, asking if the elders had done their homework. Have you never read the scriptures? He asked. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Now, this particular passage comes from Psalm number 118. Let me read you a portion of this text. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for God is good. God's steadfast love endures forever. I was pushed hard so that I was gone. But the Lord helped 
and my might. God has become my salvation. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has punished me severely, but God did not hand me over to death. I thank you that you have answered me and become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. We so often, often hear this phrase in reference to Jesus, that Jesus is the cornerstone to which this text is referring. But what if the psalm in this context is referencing us? How would our interpretation of the gospel lesson for today change if we, in our sinfulness, were the rejected cornerstone that had been redeemed? Jesus continues this interaction by saying, Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to, the, to a people that produces its fruits. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. Now if we view these verses in light of Psalm 118, what if what Jesus is saying here isn't anyone who has sinned will be broken to pieces and crushed, but anyone who does not accept the, the redemption and salvation of those who have repented and been saved will be the ones who will die. makes sense if we acknowledge the reaction of the priests and elders in the next lines. They know that Jesus is referring to them, that they are the ones who will be crushed because they refuse to accept that God can save and forgive anyone God chooses. The priests expect retribution. They expect severe punishment and death for those who have abused and killed the servants of God. But Jesus refutes the notion of just punishment. In this parable, Jesus isn't condemning the tenants for their evil deeds. He's condemning the priests who refuse to allow God to work in mercy. Does this mean that the tenants of the parable won't be punished for their misdeeds? No, they will. But the punishment is far more, but punishment is a far more palatable fate than eternal slavery and death. And what kind of punishment, you ask? How badly will it hurt? Honestly, we don't know. That is solely God's prerogative. All we can do is trust in the generosity of our Lord. So, my friends in Christ, this is the gospel that we are left with today. We are not beyond redemption. In dying on the cross, Jesus undercuts the eternal suffering of death. Jesus paid for our sins and made our accounts right with God. Which means that God can lavish mercy upon us as God chooses. We are promised in the gospel today that there is no sin too great for God to forgive. We can kill the very being of God, and God will still turn to us with open arms. 
My friends, we are loved. We are cherished as children of God. We are forgiven, and in Christ we are redeemed. So don't despair over the threat of death and punishment. We worship a God of mercy and grace. And in that redemption, we can truly say, thanks be to God.